Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Vanessa, last episode, we started talking about this theme of intellectual humility because of our partnership with the Greater Good Science Center. Mm. And I've been thinking more about our conversation and wanting to dig deeper into what humility really is and how it shows up in my own life. The very first sermon that I ever remember hearing, Casper, was on the idea of humility and false humility. And so it has been something that I've thought about and have had no firm ideas about for well over 30 years. And so I'm excited to explore this further with you. I'm Casper Terkyle. And I'm Vanessa Zoltan. And this is The Real Question. When I met my now husband, Sean, literally on our first date, I asked him if he wanted to have kids one day. And I remember these words coming out of my mouth before I really thought about them, which were, I want to have four children and an au pair, just like I was raised. (laughs) 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 Which there's a lot to unpack there, but let's focus on one of those, which... (laughs) Which is the au pair, because I did indeed grow up with a series of, you know, some of them as young as 19, some of them into their mid-20s, young women, mostly from Holland, who helped my mum raise us because my dad was working throughout the day. And I, of course, had my favourite au pair, and my favourite au pair was Baker. And Baker was with us when I was very, very young, and so was really a formative, like, loving adult, a presence in my life, and taught me poems and songs and games and one of the songs that she taught me goes like this. Tis moeilijk bescheiden te blijven als je zo knap bent als ik. Which, that is just the first line. But it basically translates as, it's difficult to be humble when you're as amazing as I am. <laughs> so much about you just clicked into place like a kaleidoscope. <laughs> Like, click, click, you know, click, click. Uh Oh, I see Uh it now. (laughs) 
And I mean, I know you're joking, but like also for real, like one of the gifts of my upbringing was a deep sense of self-confidence that I have grown up with. And that's gendered. It's racialized. There's class dimensions to that. But it was also because I was told I was amazing by the adults who who loved me. And I'm so grateful for that sense of confidence because I have friends and people I love who grew up with a sense of unworthiness, right? The opposite of that feeling or self-doubt. And I, I do think I get to live life in a much easier way because the story that's in my head is like, well, you're great. So must be their mistake. Instead of like, I'm awful Everyone else is right. Like, I can't do it, you know. And it's not to say that either of those stories is correct, but one of them sure is a little more comforting. So I am broadly very grateful for that gift, I guess, of of that sense of self-confidence. However, it's also incorrect. <laughs> like, No, it's not. You are wonderful. And it is hard to be humble when you're as wonderful as you are. <laughs> but it, it, like, I am clearly not always right. And one of the moments that really hit home for me was my sense of direction is really built on that confidence and not on actual fact. So <laughs> I recently, Sean and I came out of the theater and I was like, oh, there's the 52 bus. Like, let's run to get it. And Sean was like, uh, is it going the right way? I'm like, uh-huh. Absolutely, it's going that way. And it's like, at, you know, late in the evening, so buses are coming not very often. So I'm like, let's run, let's run, let's get on it. We get on that bus, and <laughs> guess where it's going? The wrong direction. And so th- that's a small example, but I think it illustrates a broader challenge, which is that I have such an ingrained sense of like my initial judgment or my initial instinct is correct. And it often isn't. And so I'm interested in cultivating how how I can right-size the confidence by having kind of a balancing act with humility. But I'm also very suspicious of like false humility because I think it's kind of gross when people are like, oh, I can't do it. Oh, wait, I'm flawless and I just woke up like this. I don't want to overextend into the area of false humility. So like, where is the line between confidence and humility. Like, how do I know that I'm on the right path holding those two things in equal weight? Your bus example is so interesting, right? Because that to me is a solvable moment of, I'm not sure, but let's get on because otherwise we're going to miss it. And worst case scenario, we've gone out of our way two stops. And I would actually argue that you made the right decision and the the flaw in that moment was you being like, yep, I'm sure. But the pain of it is not just the like, oh, now we're, you know, in the wrong side of town and we have to get a different bus back, et cetera, et cetera. It's also the impact on the relationship, right? Because right. like I'm claiming knowledge that I actually don't have. And it, it damages the relationship when you keep when I keep doing that over time. Totally. And I think that this gets at the crux of humility, right? If it's about clear communication about honestly where you are, Hmm. but it takes more time to turn to Sean and say, I'm not sure. I still think we should get on the bus though. Hmm. Because I think real humility, right, is about knowing yourself and correctly sharing that version of yourself to the best of your ability, at least with the people who you trust. And the problem is, is that knowing yourself is really freaking hard. (laughs) I like that a lot. I like that a lot because one of my favorite definitions for humility that my friend Mary uses is that it's about telling the truth. Mm-hmm. So so you're not 
pretending that you know less than you do, but you're also not claiming that you know more. Yeah, exactly what you're saying. Like you're saying what's real. And what's been really interesting as I get older that I'm also noticing in professional situations is that because I'm aging, I'm no longer like the youngest person in the room and so discounted because of youth. I have all the signifiers of like traditional authority as a man and as a white person, et cetera, et cetera. Like people assume that I know more than I do, plus the English accent, right? Like there's all of this stuff that I have to undo, not just what I don't know, but also what's projected onto me or what I claim just through my very body. You know what I mean? Like it adds a whole extra dimension of complexity because it's not just what I think, but it's how society views me. Right. And so there's a whole added element of like, well, maybe I should weigh even more heavily into the like humility side because I'm already given all of this status through the other stuff out there. Does does that make sense? I guess it It just feels like even more complex than just telling the truth. So Casper, I feel like you've already articulated something so helpful that humility is about knowing yourself internally, but it's also about knowing how you might come off in the world. And not just because of you and your individuality, but because of your skin color, your class, your nationality, your gender, all of these like privilege points. And I, when I'm thinking about the people who I know who are really humble and walk that line well of not claiming an authority that they don't have or a knowledge that they don't have, and yet acknowledging the things that they do know and the experiences that they have had. They are people who know to the best of their abilities both of those things. Mm. And I'm wondering how you are on your journeys of each of those things individually. Like, what is your anxiety level or your, like, self-knowledge level like internally? Are you like, yeah, I know myself. Yeah, I guess ironically, I feel... I feel like I've learned so much over the last decade on that second half of understanding the dynamics of power and some strategies of like, okay, if I notice that a woman is saying something and then and I've said it and I'm getting the credit, redirect the credit or don't be the first person to speak in a situation of A, B and C. Th- th- there are some practical strategies that I feel more comfortable with. No doubt. I have much more to learn, but I feel much more unsure of myself, I guess, in that first category where it's like, Because sometimes I think I know myself and then I'm like, oh, damn it. I didn't realize this was another dimension, right? So like now I know with directions, I can't trust my gut. I just can't because my gut is most of the time really wrong. But I feel like I keep discovering new ways in which that self-trust that was given to me as a young child is not dependable. But at the same time, I don't want to walk around feeling completely without that. Maybe Maybe it's about assessing... Like, what's the worst thing that can happen? Like you were saying with the bus, worst thing that happens here, okay, we get on the wrong bus and, you know, I have an argument with my husband. But (laughs) like, I just feel like that part of knowing me is unending and really complicated. Well, and actually, I mean, you've already said this, but what I heard you say is that the worst thing that could happen is that you break trust with Sean. Mm, Yeah. It's just interesting how these tiny moments can become really fraught, right? Where it's like, oh no, do I value getting home an hour earlier more than a good relationship with my husband? Obviously, no. But also it's late and I'm tired, so. Right. And like, if we missed the bus and I was right, I'm also mad at my husband. At first I thought you brought like a low stakes example and I was like, come on, Casper, dig deeper. 
But I do think that it, it is. It's these tiny moments where you're frustrating the people you love and right. and that you know that this decisiveness has served you. And yet you right. also know that this decisiveness has wounded relationships that you value. Yeah. Whew. Okay. <laughs> the stakes of this are clear. It is hard to be humble when you're as wonderful as you are. And why don't we turn to our first text? So the first text that I wanted to talk about was the show Julia, which follows the process of Julia Child, who was a wonderful chef in the mid-20th century, who wrote The Joy of Cooking and is seen as kind of like the bringer of French cuisine to modern middle America, as it were. And and the series really follows her journey of the first TV show that she hosted following the successful publication of her book. And it's a charming show. And one of the things I love about it is the way it depicts marriage in its kind of fumbling everyday love and little hurts and big beauty and all the things. But the moment that really struck me that relates to this conversation is the way in which she is navigating this sense of I want to make this show. I am going to make it happen. She's had success already. She knows she's got something and that it communicates well. But on the other hand, she has this crippling self-doubt or sense of like, I don't know how to do TV. I've never done this before. You know, can I do it? And also navigating what it means for their relationship. Her husband has been a, a diplomat and she has followed him for the last number of decades. And now there's this shift in their relationship in terms of kind of public perception. And he's becoming Julia Child's husband rather than she's becoming his wife, you know, in the way they're seen in public. So in this clip, you're going to hear Julia, who's just left the dinner table where she's having dinner with her husband and her father. And her friend, who's also with them, comes out to talk to her because she senses something's wrong. What are you talking about? Well, WGBH picked up the show, but they can't afford to produce it. So if I want it made, I have to figure out a way to cover food and labor. And then I have to do it for 26 episodes. And I have some of my own money, but it's not enough. And if I tell Paul what's going on, he'll just think that I'm crazy. And I am crazy. If they want the show, they should pay. But the problem is... Yes, I know what the problem is. I want to do it. I don't care if it isn't that sort of a terrible business decision. And I suppose I don't even care that I'd be lying to my husband. I wanted more than anything, Avis. So the reason I I like this is because, look, we're hearing this story because it all works out, right? Her sense of confidence pays off. The show's a success. She gets back the money. Everything's great. But what if that wasn't the case, Right. She's going to look a fool in public. She's spending money she doesn't have. And she's breaking trust. Like, she's lying to her husband. The downsides could have been huge. Yeah, like, I, I don't know what to do. Casper, <laughs> are you bringing this as an example of humility or not humility? Well, that's one of the reasons why this text is interesting to me. Because I can't tell. And I think it's both. I, I think she's being humble because on the one hand, she's like, I can't do it. I don't know what I'm doing. So she's claiming that. But on the other hand, she's doing it. And so she's not being that humble, you know. And so, like, is this what humility looks like? Is is acknowledging our fears and the things that we're worried about and doing it anyway? Or is this false humility because it's doing it anyway and then being like, oh, I'm so scared. Like, <laughs> I, you know what I mean? Like, how, how do we, is this humility? I don't know. 
Do you think the fact that she knows the risk that she's taking makes a difference on the humility level? That's such a good question. I I think there's something unhumble about putting yourself forward. And that is what she's doing, right? It wouldn't the humble person like wait to be asked or... But of course, then this is gendered as well. Like this is a woman in mid-century America who's imposing herself into a place that she's laughed at in the studio. You know, her producer thinks she's a joke and she has to prove him wrong every step of the way. And so maybe in that case, humility, like she shouldn't be humble, but because my social location is different, maybe I should wait to be asked to do a cooking show, which (laughs) I was for the first time praised for my cooking last week. So... That was exciting. Someone lied to you. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. I don't know. I want to push back on that because we talked about humility as being honest, right? As telling the truth. Yeah. And she was the most qualified person in America to do the show. And honestly, she wants to. And honestly, she thinks she would do a good job. And that is very truthful to her. Hmm. You know, if humility is telling the truth, this great definition where she's not being humble is in her marriage, right? Yes, because she's actively lying. That's so helpful, Vanessa, because, yes, she is telling the truth about those things, but she's actively not telling the truth with her husband. But she is being honest and truthful with herself. And so, Mm. right, like to me, following this truth thing is really helpful in this situation, and I think where it gets complicated is if she told the truth to her husband, he would say no. And the dynamics of society and their relationship seems at this point that the only way she can get to that inner truth of I want it and I think I can do it and I think I'm the best person to do it. She estimates that the only way she can get there is by manipulating him. And I I guess I don't want to end up in a conversation of like, do the little lies make a bigger truth okay? But it's not like I think, oh, it's just about finding the truth and then the answer will be obvious because I think there's going to be conflicting truths or something like that. And I also wonder, and this is where it gets complicated to me, is it just that you have to tell the truth kind of to yourself or to one person, right? She's she's being truthful with Avis in this scene. Yeah. And she's not being truthful to her husband. And so if we're using this lovely definition from Mary, how much truth is enough truth and to whom, right? Mm. Could it mm. just be a truth within herself of, I am willing to risk my marriage for this? Is that enough mm. of a truth? And then she can lie to everybody else. And I I'm really interested in that because maybe you could probably convince me of that. But that is the truth that I'm interested in, whether or not you think you have access to that level of truth and whether or not it would be enough for you to feel like you're walking through the world humble. If you, before you were like, Sean, let's get on this bus, were like, I know that it might be the wrong bus and I know that it's going to potentially cause a rift, but I would rather make the move. Would that be enough for you to feel like you'd been (laughs) humble in this moment? Well, for Julia, she doesn't just trust herself, right? It's not just her own voice that's telling her that she can do it. We see Avis really affirming her in this scene. She has this literary agent and a producer at the TV show who are both also really supporting her. And so that gives her, yes, the practical support to make it happen, but also like her assessment of reality. 
that I want it and that I can do it is affirmed by other people because they want her to do it and they think she can do it too. And so my instinct is to say, if I'm the only one (laughs) being like, this is my truth, boy, do I need to be careful because I think that's when things can go off the rails. What I don't want to do is shut the door completely to that because I think there are moments when we experience something by ourselves or, or we have a unique perspective that no one else can really understand and who is to say that that's not true maybe that's one way to think about okay can i share this truth in a small way with people i trust or can i find you know other people who've shared experience to see if this truth is real now that's all well and good but when you're looking at a bus going past and be like this is the bus like you don't you don't have those resources well actually i do because my husband is right there and he was like i don't think that's going in the right way and i didn't listen to him so in that case you know that would have been that would have been a moment where i should have paid attention because my truth was not being affirmed and he was right (laughs) (laughs) i mean i you know this about me and i think to some extent it's the premise of our whole company which is i think we can practice for these moments right like the bus moment is so interesting to me because that's how life works right and and i think you're practiced in this like I am someone who charges forward and it works nine out of 10 times and fuck it the one out of 10 times it doesn't. And the the problem with that moment was not that you were wrong. The problem was that Sean is like, I'm tired of being part of the one out of 10 times. Exactly. Exactly. So I, I hear you that part of it is the affirming. But I think also one of the things that I love that Julia is doing in this moment is pausing She's saying, I'm about to go lie to my dad. I'm about to go lie to my husband. I'm about to, like, that feels like the humble moment because she is at least being truthful with herself. She's not inadvertently lying step by step and then justifying it, right? She's pausing. And the truth is, I am okay with lying. And that is her learning about herself or becoming a different person. She was never okay with that in the past, maybe, but she is now. And so I wonder if humility is about being truthful with yourself. And the harsh truth of the best moment might be, I'm sometimes okay with my husband being the one out of 10. Yeah. And that's what's so ugly. Like, I don't, I I mean, it is, you're right. That is that I don't want that to be true, but it has been. So then, right. So like that, that pause, if Julia in that moment with Avis Avis had said, okay, are you okay with lying to your husband for this? And she had paused and been like, do you know what? No, like that feels bad to me. Okay, right? Like in the course of cuisine would be different. And we wouldn't have my favorite Nora (laughs) Ephron movie. And that would have been a loss to me. That's your favorite Nora Ephron movie? Like without a doubt, it's her best film. I don't even understand why it's a fight. We can fight about this in a Patreon park one day. This is just like, I am objectively right. Everybody else is objectively wrong. We can, we'll fight about this later. But to me, what I'm learning about this bus moment is that it actually revealed something about yourself that you don't like. Yes. Right? Like the humble person will be truthful about that. And now you have this new decision to make, right? Of, am I going to keep being that person? Because- it's even worth it to me if sometimes the one in 10 is Sean. Or mm. are you creating a new rule of nine out of the 10 times I'm fine with it, but not with my husband? 
Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, because I do. <laughs> like, if I'm meeting a stranger and a charming comment is interpreted as not charming, I don't care. <laughs> like, that really is helpful that the stakes feel different with him and with you and with my dearest friends and colleagues. Like, that's different to me. Uh, maybe this makes me a bad person. But, like, it is different. Like, I, I care more about the times when it goes wrong. And so that's a that's a really helpful way to think about it. It's like, who... I guess who's getting impacted? Ugh, I don't like how that sounds either. Is it ugly to care about your husband more than strangers? <laughs> well, no. <laughs> when we put it that way, no. But, you know, put it another way. is like, oh, you're willing for one out of ten new people in your life to be the victim of your chagrin or your, like, they're disposable. And, like, you're only going to care about it with the people you already have a relationship with. Like, I don't know, that makes me cringe at myself. Well, the stakes are very different with a stranger. How much can you offend someone by being like, I love your shirt, and then being like, I actually hate this shirt? It's not a shirt, it's a dress. Yeah. (laughs) Right, like, how much are you going to offend them versus... Sean potentially feeling like you never listen to me, right? Like, right, right. it is different, I would like to think. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I do think, I mean, hopefully one would inform the other, right? Like being more careful in one place would hopefully help me be more attentive and careful with strangers too. It is helpful for me to realize like why this, why it feels profound to me. Like it it maybe seems like a, a silly question, but like, yeah, it's it's the, it's the patterns that we create. And and not just in my marriage, I should be clear, like also in the people I work with, right? There's a danger of those patterns getting established over time. It, it can do real damage. So it feels like who is impacted is this, it's like another dimension to this question of like, okay, we've talked about experience. We've talked about like nine out of 10 times, it works pretty great. But then now like in the one out of 10 times, Actually, there's a difference between who is impacted. Like, is it the people I love over and over again? Or is it a random stranger who, you know, where a compliment doesn't go down well or a joke doesn't land? Feels like another dimension to this question of humility. Well, Casper, I think that this might be a great moment to turn to the second text. I did not think that this was going to be so juicy. The bus incident 2022. But woo. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 
So my second text is is a bit of a strange one, but one I am very excited about, and it's called The Methodist Quadrilateral. It's not a book or a, or a text per se, but it's a framework that a 20th century theologian, Albert Outler, I think you say his name, used to kind of codify how John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement, thought about theology. So basically, this theologian went into Wesley's writing and was like, what are the things that he keeps coming back to as sources of authority when he's, you know, writing sermons or he's he's giving advice? And what it comes down to are these four things, hence the idea of a quadrilateral. It's kind of like a two by two. He's essentially doing a like consultancy job <laughs> in theology. <laughs> so he says there are four things to look to when you're thinking about if something is right theologically. You have to look to scripture. Secondly, it's tradition. Thirdly, how does it fit with human experience, right? Like, does it make sense to what not just you as an individual, but other people, right? Not everyone's going to experience everything, but does this fit into human experience? And then finally, does it fit with human reason? Is it logically sound? And so what I what I love about this text is it's like it's like a framework for decision making. It's a it's a guide, it's a, a recipe in a way to think about, yeah, what to do or what to say. And it's not that I want to use this recipe, like I'm not a Methodist theologian, but I really like the idea of having like three or four or five or two, I don't know what it is, things or words that could help me when I'm trying to figure out what to do. I guess it's a tool of telling the truth. That's what I'm looking for. Like, can I make my own quadrilateral, the Casper quadrilateral to how, for how to be humble? Yeah, like what, what's the Casper quadrilateral? Well, so it sounds like you definitely know one, right? You definitely want to be, can I get someone to agree with me? Yeah. There seem to be subheadings within that, right? Like, not, am I going to look at my group of friends and pick the one who's most likely to be like, (laughs) sure, Casper. Damn it, you saw through my cunning plan. (laughs) (laughs) Vanessa always says I should buy things. (laughs) I'm going to ask her. (laughs) versus the person who you respect what they buy and what they don't buy and choose that. But but what do you think some of the other ones are, right? Like you buy-in is a big one for you, but what else is it? Yeah, I like that. I think there's a, you mentioned the word risk earlier on. I think there's something about that, like how, like what's the worst that can happen Mm -hmm. and what's the potential impact? And I guess that leads on to a third one, which is like, who is that impact on? Mm gosh, this is where I feel so ugly in my morals. But like, yeah, I am going to care about some people more than others in terms of who's impacted. As one of the people who you care about more than others, I (laughs) thank you. I I mean, I guess that's normal, right? That's that's okay. Yeah, that's important (laughs) to care more about your loved ones and advocate for them. And we can talk about concentric circles of care. But if you think that's ugly, you should talk about that was someone else. I'm the wrong person. <laughs> Just think about who you respect about relationships and reach out to them. So one is, is there someone who you can have affirming you? And I think that those conversations can be imaginary, right? Like 
Okay, mm. who would I respect on this? Yeah. I really respect the way this person treats their spouse. And yeah. so I would want to be like that. And what would that person do? Okay, they would be like, sure, hon. So that sounds great. Two, is this a risk I'm willing to take? Risk assessment, right? So emulating someone who you admire or getting buy-in from someone who you respect on that topic and then risk assessment. And then this third one that you outlined is, well, is who is impacted part of risk assessment? Yeah, I guess it kind of is, but it feels like, it feels like an A and a B. It does feel distinct from like, what's the worst that could happen? And then it's like, but and to who? Yeah. Does that feel sufficient or does it feel like there's something missing here? I guess those have all been like that internal truth telling part. And we talked in the first part of our conversation about that second part, which is like the world around us or like how I'm seen. And so I feel like maybe we need something that's about the social dynamics or the context or something like that in there as well. Yeah, I really heard that in the Julia thing, right? That you think that there's something not humble about her stepping in and being like, me, I'm the person. And I disagree with that. I really love when experts step forward. I'm thinking about like this theoretical example, right? I'm a doctor and I'm on my honeymoon and I've said to my beautiful wife, I've said to her, I always go on call, but this is about us. We are on our honeymoon. This is about you and me, babe. And then someone on the airplane has a heart attack. I'm not going to be like, nope, I made a promise. This honeymoon is about me and my wife, right? I'm going to be like, someone had a heart attack. I'm the person who probably knows the most on the plane. And then I'm going to come back and apologize to my wife and we can have a really honest conversation about the fact that I always want her to come first, but I made a commitment as a doctor and she's just not always going to be able to come first. And then we have to really talk about that. But part of the humility is knowing, shit, I was wrong. Like this honeymoon Mm -hmm. isn't default only about you. It's going to be about other medical things, right? Like I'm not going to go out and find them, but if they're in front of me. And you're someone with that level of gift, right? Like you've done years of research on things and you've practiced a lot of skill sets and you're the right person to step up in certain situations. I'm wondering how you feel about that, that there are spaces where like you can just step into them. Yeah, that is helpful. And I guess like in the plane example, you know, someone say, is there a doctor on board? And that's when you would get up. Like there's still... There's still an asking that, I don't know, maybe maybe you would see something, you'd be like, I'm sprinting up the aisle and I'm going to save you from, you know, your leg that got cut off with a headphone incident. I I don't know. but um... No, but Julia Child didn't see an emergency, right? What she saw was, you know, and I know... An opportunity. Yeah, an opportunity. And also, I haven't seen this show, but I have read her letters to Paul and she wanted middle America cuisine and and housewives of the 1950s who didn't have dishwashers or servants to eat better food. And like, right, like nobody was yelling in the middle of Kansas, I'm eating too much jello. <laughs> but she was like, there's better food than jello. And I know that. 
this this is helping me get in touch with something which maybe isn't isn't something we've talked about yet but like she was yes she stepped forward yes she she volunteered herself and 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 took risks and all the other things we've talked about but she did it because she loves french food and i'm wondering if there's something here about like distinguishing between like egoic achievement drive and like a genuine love of like sharing something that maybe other people haven't come across i mean in in my best moments professionally that is how it feels like I'm able to share something that I've fallen in love with that someone someone gave to me and I get to give it to someone else again. Like there's this sort of chain of love, generosity, goodness that's being passed on. And so maybe there's some, yeah, another piece in this Casper quadrilateral, the humility quadrilateral is like, what's the instinct? What's the drive? Is it I want to be on TV and and have, you know, Boston's regional television audience see me on the silver screen. Or is it someone will learn how to make a souffle and it will make their dinner experience more wonderful, more delicious. Yeah, I don't know. There's something about what's the driving intention, I guess. So we have having your experience affirmed. What is the risk assessment, including who's impacted? And then is the fourth one a like gut check on intention yeah like why why do i want this and maybe part of the why do i want this is why do i think i'm the right person Hmm. is it only because i'm white that insists that i think i'm the right person or is it because actually i'm the right person is it because the room is just silent Hmm. and no one else is talking well then i can be silent and not talk too right or is it because no everyone is silent and not talking because i'm actually the i'm the surgeon on the plane Everyone is staying in their seats, mm-hmm. not because they don't care, but because they're not surgeons and I'm the surgeon. That feels like a really helpful piece, Vanessa, as well. It's like before, I mean, this is so obvious, <laughs> but like before jumping forward, who else has already stepped forward too, right? Like now, again, that's different in a bus situation than in a professional context of, okay, there's a conversation about strategy and there's eight people around the table who's going to contribute something. But I think the principle still stands. It's like, yeah, looking around, keeping those identity markers and the impact they have on who is listened to very much top of mind. So there's, yeah, there's a, there's a gut check on the own motivations, but there's also something about an observation of the dynamics in the conversation or in the context. So maybe that's five things, honestly. Wow, we've made a qu- quintilateral. Is that a thing? I don't know. I still think the who is impacted is part of the risk assessment, but... Oh, okay, nice. Okay, we're <laughs> back to a quadrilateral, but with an A and B in part two. Exactly. I like it. I like it. <laughs> so we have affirming the experience, risk assessment, and part of that is who am I risking as I take my mm. risk? Gut check on why do I want this? Does it does it matter? Am mm-hmm. I proud of the reason I want this? And then lastly, observing the context. Am I the right person? Am I the surgeon mm. or am I the person who's going to get in the way in the aisle? Casper, I love this. I love this rubric. And, you know, we talked about this a little bit, but like our very first episode of our very first podcast together, we talked about the commitment of practice, Right. And I just really do believe this, that like if you practice these four things, you will become more humble. I know I will try to practice these four things in the hopes that I will become more humble. But yeah, there is all of this is going to help tell the truth 
and be right sized. I like that framing that it's it's not wiping away confidence and it's not false humility, but it's it's finding that middle path. Yeah. Yeah. And that truth definition, I feel like when in doubt, when you can't run this through the the rubric machine, right? What's true? You're right, honey. I don't know. Can we do it anyway? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. I don't know. It would make me happy to try. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Casper, thank you so much. I am always humbled by how committed you are to being a good person and trying to grow. And I love you. I love you too. <laughs> and also thank you to Julia Child and the team behind the uh, the HBO show, Julia, and our special theology consultant, <laughs> Albert C. Outler and uh, John Wesley. There aren't enough I'm all about it. theology consultants. Maybe we all need our own quadrilateral. Like, that's a fun campaign I'm going to start. <laughs> <laughs> and I would like to thank Erica from San Francisco, who brings us this great ta Coates quote. You are called to struggle not because it assures your victory, but because it assures you an honorable and sane life. Mm. So you, oh, that's beautiful. in this struggle, Casper, are living an honorable and sane life. Thanks, Erica. Thanks, Tanahasi. Yeah. You've been listening to The Real Question. Just a reminder that we have launched our Not Sorry Camp Weekend for the summer of 2023. It's going to be in Monticello, New York from June 9th to the 11th. And you can find out more and get your tickets at notsorryworks.com. Please check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash realquestionpod. And if you love the show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at realquestionpod and on Twitter at therealqpod. Funding for this episode was provided by UC Berkeley's Greater Good Science Center as part of its expanding awareness of the science of intellectual humility initiative, supported by the John Templeton Foundation. I would also like to shout out our BFF tier patrons, Laura Lorber, Amanda Schramm, Effie Hugh, Ashley Mail, Eloise Faring, Mary Margaret, Stephanie Federwish, Jenny Cruz, Kristen Hall, Becky Boo, Biddy, and Ari. We are a Not Sorry Production. Our executive producers, Ariane and Edelman, who woke up at 5.30 this morning in order to produce this episode. We are mixed by Erica Wong. Our music is by Nick Boll, and we are distributed by 8Cast. Thanks, as always, to Julia Argy, Nikki Zoltan, Lara Glass, AJ Yaramas, Gabby Iori, and Stephanie Paulsell. Thanks, everyone, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? 
They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.